What's happening? This is Poder Podcast. Your host, Sergio Lagunas. On this podcast, we feature influential and powerful leaders with their own unique stories on art, music, education, and influence. So listen to these stories to find out their source of poder. Welcome to another episode of Poder Podcast. With us today, we have Yaritza Gonzalez from Inglewood, California, and she is an immigrant rights activist, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what is going on currently with asylum seekers and the whole propaganda in the news, a little bit about her life, and as well as what's to come in her near nearest future with some projects that she's been working on. So, welcome to the show, Yaritza. Thank you for having me, Sergio. Um, I'm really grateful to be here. I know we grew up together and having this opportunity as you're developing your projects as well, it's really great to be here. Thank you. All right, so let's get started. Um, usually the audience wants to know a little bit about our guests. So tell us more about yourself. Uh, what is your background story like? Yeah, so uh, my parents are from Jalisco, Mexico. They migrated to California and they settled in Inglewood, California, which is in the South Los Angeles area. And while they were there, they met at a high school, actually, Inglewood High School. They were both taking English classes. And eventually, you know, one thing led to another. They got married and uh, a year later they had me. I was born in Inglewood, uh, raised there for the most part, but then also spent some time in Oxnard, California, which is where we met. (laughs) Uh, I grew up there, went to preschool up until about third grade. Uh, I went to Kern Elementary School in Oxnard, and then um, soon after, my parents had an opportunity, uh, a job opportunity in Inglewood, California, so we moved back and I went to public schooling my whole life there. Uh, I went to Worthington Elementary School, then later Monroe Middle School. And I was supposed to go to Inglewood High School or Morningside High School. Those were my home high schools from the area, but I had the opportunity to go to Animo Inglewood Charter High School, which was one of the few charter schools, a part of Green Dot Public Schools. Um, And so once I was there, I had the opportunity to meet different people, different teachers that advocated for me to apply to College Match, which is a program that's based in Los Angeles and helps students that are in underserved high schools um, go to college. Um, And through that program, I had the opportunity to learn about colleges on the East Coast, like Dartmouth College, which is where I ended up going uh, in 2011. After that, I decided to, you know, travel across the country all the way to New Hampshire, which is where it's located. And, you know, my parents weren't that supportive at first. They knew they wanted me to go to college, but they would have loved for me to stay around, like maybe UCLA or somewhere in California. But I made the decision to leave, uh, partly because I felt like this was my opportunity to create my own future with um, my own, creating my own pathway for what I wanted. And I wanted to become more independent and I felt this was the best school for me to go to based on financial aid. 
um, mostly, <laughs> but also it was a good institute, great institution for me to go to for college and didn't want to miss out on the opportunity. Okay, that is very exciting to know. Uh, I don't meet a lot of people that go to school out of state. How was that experience for you? Did you? How did you experience your first winter there? Yeah, so it was a very different environment to be having grown up in cities you know places like Los Angeles for the most part I had a difficult transition in terms especially because of the cold I felt like I had never been in negative degree weather I didn't own snow boots or like a snow jacket I had only ever visited like Big Bear and like been <laughs> in the snow for like a day or a few hours and then gone back So living in this in like a place that it snowed was very different, but I mean, it was full of different adventures. For example, like I learned to ice skate and do things like that. Um, and I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I would have maybe stayed in California. Um, and so, yeah, I took advantage of all the opportunities that that had to offer, but it did come with a lot of challenges in terms of like uh, being the oldest of three girls. I hadn't ever left home really um, for an extended period of time. I mean, there were times where I felt homesick, you know, but I feel like overall I found a sense of community at Dartmouth College because of activities or clubs I was involved in and that really helped my transition. Nice, and uh, what are you currently doing now? I, I mentioned you're a community leader in terms of immigrant rights and you also work for a nonprofit that deals with that. Uh, tell us more about that. What do you do there? Yeah, so after I graduated, uh, I went back to Inglewood and I started working with a nonprofit that does a lot of immigrant and refugee rights. And basically what I've been doing is working as a legal assistant and paralegal based um, supporting attorneys that are doing immigration law. And most of my time now has been, it's almost been three years that I've been doing this work. And right now I'm doing a lot of asylum cases. Prior to that, I had already had a lot of different experiences and internships focused on immigration. And that's what led me to put in the, to continue with the fight, especially because I graduated in 2016, right after president, <laughs> the new president had taken office. And so I decided that's what I wanted to focus on. Um, I already had a passion for it, and but this I think really solidified the decision to want to continue in that work. And so yeah, I've been working with uh, immigrants and refugees uh, right now doing a lot of asylum cases, mostly asylum seekers from Central America, but also other countries like Mexico and as well as uh, Venezuela. And I've been learning so much about their experiences through like the different uh, interviews that we have to do during our consultation periods to understand the political situation there in those countries. And it's been such a huge blessing for me to be able to have that privilege of being able to help and support um, people that are escaping um, oppression and you know discrimination and violence. And I really love the work that I'm doing. I'm really happy to be where I am. Do you have any stories that, you know, of course, you have to keep it confidential and, and anonymous. Uh, is there anything you would like to share that might be uh, worthy of people listening and really getting them over the fence, whether they want to support or not support those that are coming over in that way? I think mo one of the stories that really stands out for me in terms of the work that I've been doing has been 
a case regarding what's going on in Nicaragua. So right now, um, there's been a lot of political turmoil in that country. Um, there's been a lot of protests against different things, that, decisions that have been, are being made by the current people in power. One of my clients who is a woman, I think, and is a young woman, I think really reflected a lot of what my experience has been in the sense of that someone that's very politically active and wants to bring change to her community. But unfortunately, in her country, she's not really allowed to speak up in the same ways. And so I really resonated with that because I think of, you know, people in power had that same kind of authoritarian rule in our country, which hopefully we don't, you know, get there because I think there's been a lot of changes in our own country that have made us feel like we're in a you know, a different kind of political climate than in the previous in the past with all the rhetoric against immigrants. And as a daughter of immigrants, it really hurts to to hear that and to, you know, see people be so afraid and scared of living there in a country that they've known for most of their lives, if not all their lives as immigrants. So, yeah, I think that one really resonated with me. I can't go into the details of everything because, you know, it's very confidential, but Hearing stories like like that from that woman, um, from that young woman from Venezuela, I mean from Nicaragua, um, and also from Venezuela, like different countries that I've heard, uh, I think that really resonates with me and like it pushes me to stay active in my own community and in my own country, um, but really makes me think about how protesting and how political activism is seen worldwide and how we need to continue to hold people in power accountable, um, even though sometimes it can be, you know, to the extreme of having to seek asylum elsewhere. And I would think that people could relate in that sense, that like you shouldn't be stripped or taken away of those powers and rights um, that you has as a human being to be able to hold someone accountable for something that you don't agree with, with your own country. Earlier you were talking about a project that you're trying to start a little startup with the fellowship program. Can you tell us more about that and that civic engagement part? Right. So I think when I graduated college, right, it was 2016. We just had it. We got a new president. And in the past, I had already been really, you know, focused on learning about political activism from like history, right? People that have done it in the past, this has been going on for years, everyone throughout the country and also around the world has always been involved in some sort of political activism. I wanted to bring that to my community because I feel like historically growing up, you know, in Inglewood, California, uh, I don't think we've had much of a voice I think that there have been de definitely different leaders from that community that have, you know, made a lot of changes, but I don't think nationally that we're heard of really. And right now there's a lot of attention in my, to Inglewood, California, because a stadium is being built and a lot of development projects are being done. And I think it's the perfect timing for the community to wake up and basically, um, hold people in power accountable for the changes that are coming. I think that development could be a good thing, but uh, as long as it's ensuring that the community that has been there for years will benefit from the resources that are coming in, the revenues, you know? And so anyway, I think um, 
that's what really motivated me and a group of other friends that grew up in Inglewood with me to start a fellowship. So we're trying to launch a fellowship this year, hopefully by the summer. It's called the ING Fellowship, which stands for Inspiring, Nurturing, and Guiding the Next Generation of Champions because we're considered the city of champions in Inglewood. That's our historically given name. And so anyway, we wanted to really focus on that and really try to engage the next generation by focusing on civic engagement work, being more politically active. Um, right now, there's being efforts done like uh, at the grassroots level to pass a rent control ballot initiative in Inglewood specifically. I know it's also been trying, um, people have been trying to do so at the state level, but um, I think that that's something that we would really like, you know, um, support as a fellowship, as well as other initiatives. I know that there's like several different needs and we just want to make sure that people are talking about it, especially young people. So this fellowship would be geared towards uh, young people ages around 18 to 30 um, and really trying to mentor and support people from Inglewood to be able to bring about projects of their own and ideas of their own to bring change and to hold the people in power accountable to what they want and what they need. So as, as I hear more about this project, would you visualize the outcomes to be that people will start running for office, young, younger people, very uh, innovative minds coming out of college, kind of like uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Exactly. Uh, I don't know why I'm always giving her shout outs in yes. this conversation <laughs> that I have nowadays. And speaking of that, uh, what do you? What are some of the outcomes that, uh, besides that, that you see? Right. So I see the goal. Right, is to get more people to, again, be more engaged with issues that are happening in our community, and also maybe getting more people to register to vote, getting more people to go out to vote, um, getting more people to understand what the voting system is like in our specific city uh, what is what are the requirements um, to be able to run for office if that's something that they're interested in to see more representation in office uh, for example I don't think there's ever been a Latina mayor in Inglewood and I think that should change seeing things like that right I think we're very much a immigrant community there is black immigrants there's Latinx immigrants in Inglewood and I think I want to see more representation of all that. And I think having, you know, more people elected, especially women of color elected too, to be able to run and like hold these positions is very inspiring. And we kind of want to get, you know, the community to feel like they want to invest back in their community. They don't have to leave necessarily to be able to attain their goals. As someone that was, you know, raised there and grew up most of her life there, I, I made the decision to want to come back because I feel like there is a need to be able to invest back. And instead of, I could have gone maybe to work elsewhere, but this is where I wanted to be. I think we should try to get more young people to feel that way, but there needs to be an incentive. And so we hope that through this fellowship, we can make good connections and you know relationships with people in the city and hopefully be able to create more opportunities for young people to stay, um, have leadership and talent from Inglewood. Isn't that always the outcome that we want more people to represent the people that are living in that area? 
sounds like you're very passionate about this and more of that passion that should come from somewhere and I think you might have mentioned it but I should ask you the question I ask all my guests on this show is what is your source of poder? Where do you get that power from, that inspiration? A lot of people say family, friends. Can you elaborate on that and more? Yeah, I would say my, that's a good question. I, I'm glad that, that, you know, that you focus in on that through your podcast. And I would say my form of poder it has been through my parents, uh, several different people. But number one, I would say my parents, they have worked hard all their lives. And I've seen my dad, you know, put in so many hours and not give up on his dreams for what he and goals, what he wants for his family and him putting his family first. So that's really inspired me and has another really big motivator for myself is uh, my sisters. I have two younger sisters and being the oldest woman, you know, that's always been a big drive for me. Uh, my source of poder has two uh, in the sense that I you know, really want them to feel like they have a choice, that they don't have a predestined future based on what society has told them as women, as women of color to be. I've really pushed myself and motivated myself to continue to reach higher and to do more for myself and for my sisters because I want them to think big and dream big all the time. I think the last one would be, my last source of poder would be my community and historically, right? Ancestors of community, of people that have fought so hard to get to where I am now. As a woman, as a woman of color, you know, to be able to get the privileges I do now, I think that's a really big source of motivation and my source of poder. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. And to conclude our episode, give us a little bit of your mantra or anything that you do every morning if you're such a routine that you do at night that keeps you motivated and reflecting on your source of poder every, every day. Can you give us some last inspirational words for our audience? Yeah, so I think um, my mantra is something that I heard when I was in high school. It was a scholar's creed. That's what my teacher called it. He was my ninth grade teacher, Mr. Hellenius. And basically, he would make us recite this every day at the start of our class. I think the key words of it all, so I don't recite the whole thing, was society will draw a circle to shut us out. But our superior thoughts must always draw us in. We must believe in our ability to do our best at all times. Just for today, we will listen, we will speak, we will read, and we will write. We will try our hardest to use this day to the fullest. This is our day, and once passed, it will never come again. So that's kind of what keeps me going. I think I also really try to reflect and be grateful for every single day that I have and new experiences. Sonia Sotomayor has been a huge inspiration for me, and one of the things that she said, I'm an ordinary person who has been granted privileges that are extraordinary or something along those lines. But I think that's what it is. I don't think of myself as being any different from any other person. Like I've just been given certain privileges and take and run ran with those things, you know, like I try my best to always give back as well because I know that someone helped me to get there. So mentorship is important to me for sure. Thank you for listening to Poder Podcast, the podcast con poder. I am your host, Sergio Lagunas. Music is produced by Brian Navarrete. Please follow us on all social media channels. 
including Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, and you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, this is Boder Podcasts.